Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 189 of Yoga Land. Hi there. Hi, Andrea. How's it going? It's going. We're not going to talk about having. <laughs> We're both having a cabin fever kind of day, as we imagine you might be having too. But we're not going to focus on us. We're going to focus on you and like giving you stuff to feel good in your body. Yes. Right? So this week we're going to talk. Last week we talked a lot about teaching online. Yeah. yeah. And this week we're going to focus more on practicing at home, which is what we're all doing right now. Yeah. So I put out, you know, just an invitation via my Instagram a week or two ago, just saying, hey, what are some of the topics that you all want our insight on or our thoughts about? And the two biggest content categories that came up, of course, was what we mostly focused on last week, which was converting live classes to online classes and everything that goes with it. The second thing that came up, obviously, from teachers, but also from a bunch of practitioners is, man, I am practicing at home, and it's kind of great and kind of not great. Like, it's complicated. There's distractions. Like, there's all sorts of things that are coming up for me. And we've both had a long time at home practice that in a lot of ways, it precedes the digital age. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not in a lot of ways. It completely precedes. It basically does. Yes. Proceed. So this is another thing that I feel like we are in a pretty good position to give some thoughts and feedback to. Sure. Yeah. Yes. This is one of the first stories that you like longer stories that you wrote for me for Yoga Journal. It is. I remember Maria um, was a model for it. I think she was. That's right. Okay, so, and what the kind of angle that you wanted to take, which I think is fun, is busting the myths that we have in our heads about what our home practice should look like. Yeah. So one of the things we can do is we can, before we even start talking about home practice, just kind of step into someone else's world. And think about a chef that chefs at a restaurant, but also makes meals at home. And what we can see is those are going to be two really different experiences. We can also look at the experience of going to a restaurant and having a glass of wine versus having your own glass of wine at home. These are different things. I, I have to just interrupt for a second. The thing that I don't have wine either place, of, but no, the thing that made me think of was like a massage therapist in their job versus at home. And I have a friend whose husband is a massage therapist. And I'm always like, well, you're so lucky. Does he come home and rub your back? She's like, he's like two seconds. There was the sign. There's the Seinfeld episode about that. Anyways. Oh, I didn't. Oh, there's a whole sign. Anyways. Yeah. Jerry dates a massage therapist. And anyways, let's let's get on top of it. And she just won't go there. Yes. Yes. But it's the same comparison. It's the same comparison. I mean, the same ballpark. So what I want to communicate is the number one myth. I don't think that this is like an externally perpetuated myth. I don't think that yoga teachers are like inadvertently perpetuating this myth. I think this is something internally perpetuated, which is we often think that the home practice should be a complete surrogate for or a complete like replication of the experience of being in class. Right. And the reality is your home practice, especially if it's self-led, is going to have a different intensity. It's going to have a different feel. It's probably going to have a different duration. Yeah, that's a big one. It's going to have a different duration 
than you're going to class. Another example is like the difference between going to the dentist and brushing your teeth at home. Right. Maybe that's what we'll do for the next 15 minutes. Going to the dentist and having your husband pull your teeth for you. It's really different, right guys? So the point is, is we can't expect that what we do at home to have the exact same feel, intensity, and duration as it is in the room. Yeah. The thing is, is that when you're in a public room, you are with a group of people that to some degree, if you have any sense of social norms, are just holding you accountable. There's a group experience. Like when you're in class, there's a group experience. And you might take an extra child's pose. You might take a water break. You might add another extra thing or two. But for the most part, you're going to stay within the general parameters of that class. So if you're flagging a little bit, you're still going to try to try to stay up. If you want to make things a little bit more intense, but it's a quiet class, you're probably not going to bust out too much. So when you are taken out of that group experience without that social accountability and without that presence of the teacher in the room, it's inherently going to be a different thing. Yeah. Right. Just like your home cooked meal is different than your restaurant food. Right. And so the reality, I think this is the first thing is we just can't put ourselves in a position where we are comparing the two. They are completely apples and oranges. And we just have to get over the reality that practicing at home is different than practicing in the room. Yeah. I think another way to say what you are saying, another way to express what you're saying is for me, when I first started practicing at home, I felt sort of a pressure yeah. to make it perfect. Yeah. That it wasn't a real practice if I didn't do 70, what it was, 90 minutes. Yeah. If I didn't do a, a real set sequence, if I didn't have it planned, if I didn't, you know, I just I just felt this internal pressure, which made it really just a drag. Yeah. It just made it a drag. And if you have the expectation of like, it should be this intense and it should be 95 degrees in my room and I should be able to do X, Y, and Z, then you're not going to see it for what it is. You're not going to relate to the reality of the situation. It's going to be unfulfilling. Yeah. You have to see it as a separate thing. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to talk through kind of how you approach your home practice or do you just want to keep well, busting I think, the myth? I think the next myth, I think I can do both, which is, again, I don't think this is an externally perpetuated thing. I think this is something that we just internalize. This idea that our yoga practice at home should be this separate, pious, quiet, highly sincere thing. I'm not saying it shouldn't have those attributes. I'm saying that when you are at home, you are fully integrated into your home life. Mm -hmm. So unless you have a completely separate yoga studio, at your own home, your home practice is going to be much more integrated into your normal life. Yeah. So for me, I've lived in the city as long as I've been a yoga practitioner. So 23, 24 years. So we have space, but every room we have is a multifunctional room. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we don't have a separate room. So for us to film what we're filming, we have to move tables and chairs. He and this doesn't and that. have a man cave. I don't have a man it's cave. Terrible for him. Um, so bad for him. But the reality is, I, in order to lay down my yoga mat, I got to move stuff, right? Yeah. I got to organize. And so I just allow it to be that way. Like it's part of my life. And you know, like 
One of the long-term places that I have practiced is at home with you in the evening, often while we're watching TV. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that that's what you should do. I'm saying that you shouldn't not practice at home because you feel that it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. So, right. So if you have your own dedicated space and your time and your ritual and, you know, you have your altar and this and that, if you have at home kind of a replication of the separate space, that's fine. That's great. But don't fail to have a home practice because you think you need to have those things. Right. I have had a dedicated home practice for over two decades without any of those things. Mm-hmm. You just move stuff. Mm-hmm. I probably there's Legos around. There's TV on. There's a kid walking around. There's a dog wondering what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because these are, my practice is part of my life. It's not a separate, it's not this separate, like precious removed thing. It's, it's an actual element of my own life. Mm-hmm. And so I don't try to make it a separate thing. Yeah. I would say that's the same for you. Yeah, it's a little different for me. I mean, I would say when Sophia was littler, there was just, I really, she could not be in the house if I was practicing because she just wanted to be on me or under me or pulling me down. I mean, she still has a hard time not jumping on me when I'm doing yoga. She has a hard time, like, stopping. Like, she just can't, she can't control herself around me. Yeah. So I'm sure, I bet that's very similar for a lot of moms. Like for the mom, you're just, you're a magnet, right? So, which is so nice, but you got to kind of get them out of the house to really practice more than two and a half minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it's a little different for me, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think more importantly, what you're pointing out is it doesn't have to be, it's not just that you're not, you know, that you're, it's part of the family life, but it doesn't even have to really look like a traditional yoga practice. Right. Yeah. The pace of it, the poses that you do, how much time you spend on the floor versus how many standing poses versus how many inversions versus how many back bends. Exactly. It's like very organic. Yeah. So I would say I have some sort of organic movement in the house. Yeah. And you have more of like an organic yoga practice in the house. Yeah. I have a yoga practice in the house. She just can't be here. Yeah. When I'm doing I think the next thing that dovetails into the next thing, right? And this is something that in another episode, I'm going to give a little bit more even specific guidance on. But another myth that I think that we have is that every one of our practices has to be this balanced, complete experience, Mm -hmm. right? And the reality is it doesn't. So again, this is me kind of not saying that if you have a consistent balanced, comprehensive practice, you should now do less. I'm saying if this idea is keeping you from doing anything, it's a mistaken idea, right? So what you want to think about, like if you kind of think about nutritionally, nutritionally, everything should net out over the course of a day over or over the course of a couple of days. But in any given meal, can you have a little bit more of X and a little bit less of Y? Yes. So what you want to shoot for in general over the course of multiple days is targeting and touching different parts of the body. Uh-huh. But you don't in every single class have to feel like I got to do everything the shoulders do and everything the hips do and everything the core does and everything the spine does. And I got to do my pranayama and I got to do my kriya and I got to do my... If you start to think in terms of all of these ingredients that have to be there you're going to get overwhelmed 
And unless you're a teacher with exceptional teaching skills and sequencing skills, it's going to be too much for you to handle. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to learn to play like simple songs. They don't have to be these really intricately devised thing. So I, what I really think of in giving people basic advice about self-directed home practice, especially, is I think about like basic composition, beginning, middle, end, right? And so you do a few early things to warm up your body. Then you have whatever you want to focus on for a period of time. And then you rest and complete. Yeah. So one way of doing this is one more thing on this topic. One very simple way of doing this is by actually focusing on the postures you love. Mm -hmm. The only, listen, the only way someone is going to have a home practice that is ongoing is if they actually enjoy it. And the only way you're going to actually enjoy it is to kind of indulge and lead with the things you want to do. Sometimes yoga teachers give ridiculously bad advice. And they're like, oh, well, you don't like revolved triangle pose. Well, that means you should practice more revolved triangle pose. And the answer to that is like, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But that's no, but don't relate to that into a home practice, right? If you wanted to learn to be a home cook, are you going to start by focusing on meals you don't actually want to eat? That's really bad advice. Yeah. So just keep it simple. Do a little bit here and there that you can do that you actually genuinely look forward to. Yeah. 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 I think that that is definitely great starting place for creating a home practice that you love and enjoy. And we're going to talk more about home practice in the next couple episodes, right? Yes. Okay. There's one more tiny thing. Okay. If you are a yoga teacher, you do not need always to have your home practice and your public class be the same thing. In fact, it's really nice if you're a teacher to have a, a firewall between those. Because if your home practice and your public class are the same thing. If you're always, as a yoga teacher, using your home practice to sort out your public class, what is your home practice gonna feel like? Your work. Your work. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a really new novice teacher, you might need your home practice as a laboratory mm -hmm. to kind of put together your pacing, your timing, your sequencing, your flows. But if you're a more seasoned teacher, you want to stop that. Yeah. Or you want to have a little bit of that, but you really want your home practice to be more reserved for you so that you're not feeling like, oh my God, when I unroll my yoga mat for 45 minutes, I'm really just having an extra 45 minutes of work. Yeah, yeah. That, is the, that would be the worst thing. And I will say that that is a very common teacher perpetuated myth in trainings. Sure. Like you're, you've got in your home practice, it has to reflect your teachings. For a very basic new teacher, that's probably correct. In the long run, you really want to create some diversification between the two. Yeah, great. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.